we're all protecting you. We have we all have protected, protected you. you. About my marriage? About what you told us about your marriage. With the mostest? We you told us. I was I so mad. Don't ever breathe. Don't breathe. Let me tell you something. The only thing. If I want to see that, I would have wrote it. I mean, I'm not really sure what I've done to you, but I'm not going to see Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hot and Bravo podcast on the Buttered Pop Network. It's Eddie Estrada here with my co-host, Armin, here to talk all things Beverly Hills. We just had a treat of an episode. It was fantastic. Camille Grammer is back. Season one Camille, that is. Not Saint Camille. This is season one Camille, and she's incredible. Season one Camille, who gave us the infamous line, the morally corrupt Faye Resnick, who also had an appearance. Um, oh, speaking of morally corrupt, though, we actually posted a picture of our hat on our Instagram. So we always say, like, go check out our Instagram by searching at Hot and Bravoed. But there's, you can actually see a picture. We actually have a morally corrupt hat. And I was wearing it during the episode. And it was like, so it made me feel <laughs> like Camille could attack me. Because I truly believe that deep down, I have a little bit of Faye Resnick in me. I think everyone does. And I also feel like, Everybody outside of Camille Grammer is morally corrupt to Camille Grammer. Exactly. But Camille Grammer really is the most morally corrupt out of the whole bunch. I mean, but we, we know Faye Resnick has a history. But if y'all want this hat, it's super cool. It's super cute. It's pink. It says morally corrupt on it. And you could get it at butteredpop.com backslash merch. Yeah. It's, I mean, I have it. I also have our, it's not about the pasta one. That's a VPR reference. Some good stuff. It's all about the pasta. Oh, it's all about the pasta. Yes, not. It's not about the pasta. It's James all. says it's not. We're all about. The we're pasta. all about the pasta. Yeah, <laughs> check it out if you have a chance. I think you'll love it. Yeah, butteredpop.com. You know, this is Han Bravo on the Buttered Pop Network, it is. as you said. We need to start where the episode started, and that was in Provence. So we have the end of the episode, or the beginning of the episode is the end of the fight that happened between Teddy, Kyle, and Erica. It's the morning after. Everything has been forgotten because everyone was blackout drunk. Well, not everyone. Erica was definitely sober. Lisa was sober. Teddy is the one who has amnesia. Teddy has like, honestly, when she was like, what happened last night? I'm so sorry. I'm like, oh my God, I'm having like PTSD from the weekend. Like, (laughs) Teddy is me right now. I don't buy that she blacked out. I think she did. I totally think she did. I don't think she did. Me, me, I'm like, I always have this argument about blacking out with you. We talked about it on Summer House, too. And I'm like, as someone who has had, like, plenty of blackouts, I know. I can see oh, it Oh, I eyes. know they exist. I'm familiar. But I think this was the perfect timing to get one. And, you know, they stopped drinking pretty early before midnight. And I know blackouts can happen Yeah, in, in that way. However... I'm not buying this one. Not from Teddy. Not from the accountability coach. Oh, no. I, I, I totally bought it. I mean, she's she's uh, lives a very active, healthy lifestyle. I'm sure she doesn't drink all the time. And so when they had 11 wines and then more alcohol at the house, I'm sure it all hit her at once. And she was like, things happen. Words are said like, like Erica Jane said. Let's just say later in the episode, she was able to recount <laughs> some of the events of the night before. So maybe it was one of the, you know... Uh, Famous gray outs. Oh, I call them brown outs. Brown outs. <laughs> there you go. Gray out, brown out. Maybe it was that. I'll give you that. Okay. Sometimes that happens. I mean, it does. I mean, but it did kind of 
evolved from I don't remember anything to suddenly she starts to remember a few details. Um, have you seen The Hangover? It, it's real life. It <laughs> no, happens. they never remember any detail. <laughs> they just find some evidence in their pockets, right? Receipts and, yeah, and you, little maybe things. Maybe you remember a little bit here and there. Some things come back. <laughs> you start to put it together a little uh, bit? You try. You try your best. But I loved the shade that Dorit gave um, Teddy when she was like... <laughs> She was like, oh, are you are you in tears? You're crying again. You're just... And Teddy's like, well, no, this is how I woke up today. This is how I look. I'm this just, is how I look today. I'm just... I guess I look like a mess. I thought that was great. That was such like a Dorit, like, didn't know she was shading anyone at all and was basically like, you look terrible, honey. You look so bad. Um, well, I felt Dorit on that. It's like, you were crying last night and it's the morning and you're still crying? Well... Teddy did feel really bad about what she said and she decides to have a conversation with Erica right first thing in the morning to try to amend things. And Erica's a little bit hesitant to take this apology because Whoa. It, I mean, it's not really an apology. It's not an apology. It's a half apology. It's a half apology. Cause Teddy basically is like, you know, I feel like when we're one-on-one, we have this great connection. You're so kind. You're so friendly. You're so warm. But when we get into the group, I feel like we're disassociating from each other. And it's like you put a wall up and that makes me feel uncomfortable, which makes me not feel like you're wanting to be part of the group. And her behavior was basically dictated by Erica's behavior. So essentially, she was saying sorry for the fact that Erica caused her to behave poorly. Yeah, which, which is, is not an apology. It's not an apology. It's a blame. And Erica points that out. And then Erica actually says to Teddy, there's only two people that tell the truth. And that's drunk people and children, which is the realest statement I've ever heard. And that's so that's so true. It's, you know, drunk, drunk words are sober thoughts is what a lot of people say. And I think that's very true. I've let things slip when I'm drunk. People have let things slip to me when they've been drinking. And it's like, sometimes it's hard to see those true colors and kind of see like what people really think. But sometimes it's, I mean, beneficial. In the case of Erica and Teddy, I think it's going to make Erica think twice before really connecting with Teddy again, because this is kind of like, almost seems like a fake friend situation. Yeah. And Teddy kind of described the night before how she is fake. Yeah. She kind of manipulates conversations and... She kind of goes the way the wind blows. But I feel like, are you talking about Teddy or Erica? Teddy. Yeah. And because when Erica was, when Teddy was talking about Erica, and Lisa was like, she was like, oh, I feel like Erica has to like put things into situations, make people feel like comfortable or like has to. And she's like, and that's a problem. And then Teddy, like you said, was like, oh yeah, well like, you know, I, I try to do things and like, and she's like, so you're, I always Lisa, say the right thing. I always the make right sure thing. I say the yeah. right thing. And Lisa's like, so you're manipulating people. I think Lisa Renna has been great this season as kind of masterful producing. Exactly. Exactly. She's taken the role that Lisa Vanderpump used to have. It's passed from one Lisa to the next. Um, Only Lisa's can produce on Beverly Hills. Exactly. It's a rule. It's a rule. Only, it's the Lisa oh, rule. The Lisa only, law. It's the Lisa law. The Lisa the law. law of Lisa. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but renna has been doing a great job. Oh yeah. Uh, she's been producing. We actually talked about this in one of the first episodes. When they were in the Bahamas, she was mm-hmm. producing. Well, she knows what she's doing, and she knows she knows exactly what's happening this season in the way that she needs to be interact with each of the women to make sure that they're operating all on their highest levels because with Lisa Vanderpump gone, it does leave a big hole in the show and a big hole in the group. And it's like, okay, who else needs to step up? 
And I think Lisa Renna is kind of giving people the opportunity to have their moment, which I think is why we're getting a lot of great moments from a lot of these cast members that we haven't really had before. I mean, Teddy's getting her nose in everyone's business and it's kind of getting annoying. But Dorit's had really great scenes. Eric is killing it. Kyle's been great. Camille has been wondrous this season. We'll get more into that later. But I, I do like Lisa Renna's hand in the pot. Oh, no doubt. And I think Renna came into this season understanding that the previous few seasons have been super boring. Mm-hmm. And what she has been doing, if you guys rewatch this season, she has been poking and prodding and trying to extract as much as possible. And I know a lot of people have complained about this season, at least on Twitter. Uh, but let's admit this. This has been a huge upgrade over the previous two seasons where we were arguing about appropriate glassware. Okay? This glassware, is so much gate. better. It's This is better. Yeah. Is it perfect? No. I think it has a lot of refining to do. Uh, but I thought, you know, Rinna worked her ass off. She was definitely the subversive character. She wasn't like the outright antagonist. She was more working, you know, in the shadows. And I think a lot of people did notice that and have been mad at her about that because she was going against LVP. Don't but hate you have to player. respect the game. You exactly. have to respect the game. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. It's reality TV. It's a show. <laughs> I love it. She's doing and a good job. She's doing fantastic. Uh, back to Erica, though, because we didn't get to talk about Erica and Kyle's conversation. So Kyle also apologizes to Erica. And you realize why Erica is a little bit more hurt by Kyle than Teddy, because she's known Kyle for years now. They've been long friends. They've been through the ringer. And Erica really does feel a connection with this lady. She revealed last episode that she doesn't have a lot of girlfriends. She doesn't trust a lot of women. And so for this group, for her to be open and feel connected is a big deal for her. So when the other women don't see her as being connected, it's devastating for her. And I think that's what's, I think that's really where the problem lies for Erica is that the way she is, this is a very foreign and new thing to her being friends with large groups of women, having like girlfriends in her life. And she feels like she's come a long way. But when the other people are saying, Oh no, you haven't. It's like, well, what's all this work that I've done? It's not being appreciated. These people aren't my friends when I thought right. these are the people that would, you know, hold my hair back when I'm puking. But you know <laughs> what? They're out here puking on her. <laughs> so, I mean, I felt really bad. And I, I mean, I, I'm glad that Kyle apologized. I'm glad that Erica accepted the apology. Um, I thought it was another on. sort of half-pology of sorts. Yeah, b- but I think I think hers came more of a place of like... It was a little more genuine, for yeah. sure. But, yeah, I totally understand Erica, right? She was introduced by Yolanda, if I'm not mistaken. So I can see how she feels like she's kind of on an island. Yeah. Whereas there are deeper connections outside of her happening, except for maybe Dorit. But yeah. Dorit doesn't really care. Yeah, Dorit's like, fine. She's like, <laughs> but she's, she's... She, she like really forces herself in. Yeah, she's like, um, hi. <laughs> well, speaking of Dorit, after Provence, um, the show went back to 2010 and we were... <laughs> visually assaulted with Kitson again. Now, let me tell you guys. Can you tell the backstory of Kitson for okay. those who don't know? Kitson was like the hottest store in LA. And essentially what it was, it was like a boutique. And but like six decades ago. Like, <laughs> like 
a decade ago. But it was the hottest store. Like, <laughs> Which all might as well be there. six decades ago. It was a big deal to like be like photographed walking out of the store with like a kitchen bag. And everyone was photographed with kitchen shirts. It was like Paris Hilton like sold stuff there. It was a big deal back in a 2012 episode of Vanderpump Rules that Jax was modeling for Kitson. But before, yeah, before spirit jerseys became a thing, they had a spirit jersey that they sold there that was like the first one and it was like the <laughs> biggest deal and no one was getting them yet and I got one for my ex um, for Christmas one year. <laughs> and I that's the only, that's not the only time I ever bought something from Kitson but it was one of the few. But there and it used, was very hip. It was, it was the place to be. Like it was hot, hot, hot. Fast forward. Fast forward to, I thought Kitson closed. I thought they <laughs> shuttered their doors back in like 2016 or 17 and here we are again Oh, it's the hottest store in the middle of town. I was like, bitch, I have not seen a Kitson anywhere. I used to go to Kitson. And I, I mean, I drive through. I mean, yes, I do live in Redondo Beach, but I, I do drive through Los Angeles and I'm in L.A. every single day. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I'm sure I would see a Kitson on the side of the street and be like, oh, that's weird. It's a Kitson. But like this whole Kitson storyline is like, it's getting me. Uh, I remember when we had the jaw-dropping moment of discovering that Kitson was still open just a few months ago. Yes. Uh, when we were recapping that Jack's modeling episode. Yes. Um, on Patreon, because we're, you know, for those who don't know, we're recapping every episode of season two of Vanderpump Rules on Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash hot and bravo. And we got to that episode where Jax is modeling for Kitson. And I don't know why we decided to do this, but we Googled Kitson. Yeah. Remember that? And we realized it was still open and we were both like, what? <laughs> it was like, it's such a blast from the past. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I am really proud of Dorit. And I think, I think her window looked great. So basically the whole thing was Beverly Beach is only online. So this is her first like, you know, feature in a store. You know, Kitson is a boutique. So... They bring in uh, stuff from other people, from like famous people. So this is totally on brand for her. She had to redo the window because it looked literal like shit. Like I kid you not, mm-hmm. I worked in retail a very like for a very long time. I was Banana Republic. I was Nordstrom mm. for a few years, uh, and I would help sometimes with the visual visual merchandising, which is basically like dressing right. the mannequins, making sure everything's set for like the things and windows are a huge deal. Like our windows were like, there was dedicated team specifically just for windows. So whoever did this window, one should be fired. It looked like they <laughs> like could barely do it. And Dorit really has an eye. It looked fantastic after she got her hands on that. Oh, but uh, Camille had other thoughts mm-hmm. about how it looked terrible, basically. <laughs> well, Camille has a lot of things to say about Dorit and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But uh, while we're talking about Camille, we need to talk about her and Denise's situation and that conversation that goes on. So they all meet for dinner, all the women. And first of all, class act Lee Serena understands that these women have basically lost everything, their clothes, their homes. Well, Denise didn't lose her home, but she's got smoke damage on all of her stuff. She's not going to be able to, you know, handle that. And so Lisa gives them a bag each from QVC, her, her collection if there wasn't a duster in there, I'd be so pissed. I'd be like, Lisa, Lisa, we're known for your duster. I want my leopard print duster in there. But I thought that was a really, really thoughtful and sweet thing because. And it's a plug. It is a plug. I understand that. But you achieve both. No, I'm not hating on it. Hustle. Lisa is always open about the hustle. But I think, I think, I think Lisa has the means 
because she has her own clothing line to do something like this. And I thought it was, I thought it was an incredible gesture regardless of her plugging her own stuff. Because (laughs) at the end of the day, every little bit counts, even though I mean, Camille, okay. I mean, I understand it's devastating. I feel so bad for her, but she does come off very entitled, which is funny because she called Teddy the entitled millennial previously, but she's coming off as the entitled baby boomer. Like she's like kind of that old school mindset where she's like, I had to go, I couldn't find a jacket. I don't even have a coat. So most people would be like, I bought coats from like, you know, a store. I had to go to this consignment store across the street and I found this little Burberry. It's 30 years old. Mm. It's dusty. And it's like, honey. Talking about buying ski boots. Yeah. ski. Like it's, I'm like, dude, I, I couldn't even go to the store right now and buy myself a Burberry, <laughs> a Burberry coat. Like even if, a 30 year old, even Burberry. a 31, I would be from at Goodwill. I would be at Goodwill <laughs> getting their $1 t-shirts just to get myself back, back in order. Yeah. I thought Denise had an excellent perspective on the situation. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It, it is a hardship. But thankfully, we are lucky enough and privileged enough to have the resources and wealth to... Rebuild their lives. Rebuild their lives in, in a fashion that's that's not going to you know, devastate them. Exactly. You know, uh, because financially they are extremely well off. Uh, They have a ton of connections. They probably have insurance on a lot of the things that they lost already. They're not stupid. Yeah, they have a lot to fall back on. Um, Like Camille said, she has multiple homes. Yeah. And not to downplay how tough it is to lose a home. Her home, home. and it is her main home, and it is, you know, plays with a lot of memories with her family. And I, I think... The memories must be the toughest thing to lose. I talked to you about this before, but losing those priceless things that you can't replace, like photographs and and videos, um, because not everybody has digitized those things. And I I can imagine that being absolutely heartbreaking. However, when she's not being able to like put this in perspective and be able to like look at the greater picture and say, you know what? I will be able to get through this. And there are people who face this adversity and don't have any recourse. Exactly. They have zero recourse. They lose their home. They can't afford to stay up at a hotel. She could probably stay at, she could definitely stay at like a five-star suite. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of putting your life in perspective in that sense and being grateful for, you know, the fact that they're safe, that they that they have so much to fall back on. It doesn't seem like it's coming across that way. No. And this is very season one Camille. Very yeah. season one Camille. Where it's like, it's that image of wealth and power that she's always trying to like convey. So even like the comments about Burberry and all that, it was just like, it was too much. And then when she shaded Denise, Denise, when she's like, oh, I'm sorry, Denise, that your rented home didn't burn down. And it's like, it doesn't matter. A home is a home. Like, grow up. And Denise, you know, is handling it all with grace. Yes. Denise is so cool. I, I absolutely love her. I love how she's kind of like the moral. Com- I, Teddy wanted to be the moral compass of the group. Denise Richards is. She's chill. She's collected. She's centered. She understands life. I feel like some of these ladies are so disillusioned by the world of Beverly Hills and Los Angeles and the life that they've been living for so long. And Denise is the opposite of that. She's so real. She is so grounded she understands that you know you can't sweat the small stuff life's life's just live we're so lucky to be here every day 
And I think that's why she kind of sees things clearer than everyone else. I feel like the thing with Denise is she's always going to be on the right side. Like I'm going to be team Denise because I know Denise is coming from a good place for the most part. I mean, for the only part, I mean, I haven't seen a bad bone in her body. She's been amazing. She's been incredible. One of the best first seasons uh, for a housewife ever. So should we just get to the big moment of the night? So let's do it. So after this dinner, whatever, they all are going to be going out again for another evening to celebrate Dorit and her brand new clothing wear or the clothing wear line at Kinson. Beverly Beach has been around infamously in season in the last season in the reunion Dorit got fire from Teddy for not naming a swimsuit after her because she had the LVP she had the Rena, she had the Kyle you know she named it after everyone else in the cast except for Teddy because they had beef and she said you know I want it to be I want to name it after people who are important in my life who bring something to my life which was a total shady comment from Dorit but we find out this episode that she came out with a Camille, which is a cover up, which Lisa Rinna was like, Oh, that's good. Cause you know, Camille's <laughs> always covering up her shit. Like this is perfect for her. And she had a sporty swimsuit or a sports bra, uh, for Teddy. And I thought that was really a nice gesture. Like, like Lisa Rinna said, it was the biggest olive branch that Dorit could have given Teddy. And I really do like their friendship. I think the thing that makes them connect so well is they, their kids are the same age. Their sons are like friends. And, you know, that is, as long as your kids are happy, then that's all that matters. And I think they've really found a connection to that. And we even saw PK and Eddie kind of standing over by the side right. and like chilling and hanging out. I'm like, I am kind of here for this. And I'm actually really like starting to like Dorit. And I know I gave her so much shit and I used to call her Doritos. You hated Dorit. I hated Dorit. Dorit. I would literally say so much crap she about Dorit. She was public enemy number one to you. Yeah, Doritos. I would not call her by her real name for the mm-hmm. longest time. I love her now. I don't love, well, that's a lie. I don't love her, but I really like her. Yeah. I can't get over the accent. It's very Stephanie Pratt when she went to, okay, so do you know this? So Stephanie Pratt was on that show in England. I can't even remember what it was. Uh, She developed an accent. Madonna did the same. It's a thing. I, okay, this is actually going to be really funny and like actually really bad. So when I was in high school, I would like go on these trips. I was like on this like golf thing. I was in this golf program. So I would do like leadership trips for golf. Uh, it was a very interesting and great program. The first Steve, you guys ever want to try it out. We teach kids how to play golf and also life skills and lessons. Fantastic. <laughs> I was the highest level and they flew me out. I love to, that you're plugging this program. It was great. They sent me to, um, Manhattan, Kentucky or Tennessee. I can't remember. I was like in the West. Yeah. And, uh, no, it was Kansas, Manhattan, Kansas is where I was. And my neighbor or not my neighbor, my dorm mate was named Edward too. They put the two Edwards together, but he was from Tennessee. So we talked all the time, obviously, because we were roommates. By the end of the trip, I was talking like I was from Tennessee and I had the accent and everything to go with it. And I was like <laughs> full on. And I was like, I was like, I just started to mimic people. Cause that's me. You know, I like mimic people. Like I can't, I don't know what it is. I would totally be a Stephanie Pratt or Dorit and like become British. Like I, I don't, I, I don't know what it is. I'm like, it's like, I don't know. I want to get you a British co-host for like two episodes a week of Hot and Bravo and then watch you develop a British accent. And then accent. watch me develop a British No, yeah, because I've done, yeah, the, 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 the country accent, the twang, and I started catching myself doing it, like little things like that You're where you just right kind of do it. Yeah. And I wouldn't catch myself. So I'd be talking and I'd be like, oh my God, yeah, what are you talking about? That? Yeah. And Edward from Tennessee must have thought you Tennessee. were 
a psycho. Everyone thought I was a psycho, <laughs> not just Edward from Tennessee. Like, did you hear this guy? Like, in three hours, he's all of a sudden become a southerner. <laughs> also, one time they they sent us to Disney World, and it was one person from each state, basically, like every like one representative from each state. So I was Cal- one of the California people. I was like Northern California chapter, and. I, I just told people I was from California. Like, oh, where do you live? And I was like, oh, I, I live in LA. Like, you know, I was like, <laughs> I was making shit up. I was like, yeah, I live next to the Spellings. Do you know who the Spellings are? Like, <laughs> you did not. Because I couldn't say someone big like Angelina Jolie or Brad Pitt. So I was like, you know, the Spellings, I live in their neighborhood. <laughs> but that's even more ridiculous because they live in Homeby Hills and literally have like a home with 170 plus rooms. It's oh, something absurd. No, I know. That's why I, I know who like the Spellings are. Don't worry. Yeah. We, I used to help Candy Spelling at Nordstrom. Ooh. She was the worst because the thing about Nordstrom is you can't close the store until the last customer's out. So she would come right before closing yeah. and have the entire store to herself. The only other person who did that, Paul Abdul. Uh, of course. That's a very Paula Abdul thing to do. So, just saying. They were terrible customers. Also, isn't the Playboy Mansion by the spelling home? I believe so. It's like right That's where I lived. That's where I That's told That's where you live. That's yeah. where you live. I was Hugh's son. This is such a great insight into the psychology of Eddie. <laughs> I was, I literally, and then I told people. Let's just, shift, I was let's like, just change this podcast. This is going to be an no. all Eddie podcast. <laughs> no, but, sorry. I was just talking about the accent with Dorit. I love Dorit, though. Back to Dorit. She's fantastic. But, um, this this reveal of the window, which was right. everyone was celebrating. They go to dinner afterwards, which I yeah. thought was a really nice gesture of Dorit to thank everyone for coming. That They're going to go to dinner. Yep. But things start getting brought up at this dinner that. Thank you, Lisa Renna. <sighs> Lisa Renna. And I, I, I have to say that the first conversation I thought was, was fine. Where they were kind of like, you know what, you'd say one thing to us and then you said the other thing to people. And it kind of was jarring because it felt like, like Dorit said, it was kind of like, you know, it it was a punch. Like it it felt like you weren't being sincere with us because all these other things were coming out. But we always know Camille's been a two-faced snake. Like Mm -hmm. this is who she is. It's ingrained in her system. So I thought that was fine. And I think she was very honest and was like, you know what, I just need to be more upfront and real with you guys and more genuine all of the time. Then... Kyle brings up the conversation that Lisa Rinna had brought up before where she was talking about Dorit. Now she hadn't told anyone what Camille had said about Dorit, which was basically like, I think she's broke. She's sketch. I think she's a con artist. Right. To put it, to paraphrase it. She was a little more vague than that though. Yeah. I'm trying to be more, more like to the point. To the point. But by the way, you didn't mention that this was all brought out because of a conversation about none other than LVP. Oh, true. That is true. I mean, LVP's influence. I mean, she's still here even though she's, she's not here. And it looks like she's coming present. back next episode, which I thought she had stopped filming completely. So I'm yeah. interested to see what goes on here because it looks like she's going to be in Vegas for the uh, announcement of right. Vanderpump Vegas. And they just filmed that episode, obviously, a couple months ago. Yeah, it must be new. Yeah. And then she has a conversation with Camille as well. Uh, they realized that they needed to find a right way to wrap up this season, so they brought back the cameras months and months later, which is interesting, right? It's very interesting. And it's happened before. Vanderpump Rules. Yes. Season five. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Sheena went to go divorce Shay, blindsided him. <laughs> Jeez. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so they started talking about LVP, and uh, that's when Rena said, you let her off the hook. You let her off the hook. That starts the conversation about how Camila's two-faced because she'll say... On one hand, uh, to the group, 
I'm disappointed in LVP. I can't believe she wouldn't come to my wedding. How could she? And then tell People Magazine that LVP is a light in my life. And And she's helped me take that leap into marriage and all this stuff. And it's like... And like, yeah, it's very two-faced. Right. It's, it's hard to... So that that kind of gets the snowball rolling and... Oh, yeah. Then so it turns then into the, an yeah. avalanche. So yeah, then <laughs> Kyle brings up the, the Dorit situation. Lisa Renna says, I never wanted to bring this up. I never wanted to say this. This wasn't my thing. And I did not tell anyone what you said. Dorit wants to know. And Camille goes, well, be careful what you wish for. I'm ready to spill. And Camille comes out, guns blazing blazing this girl had so much to say not only is she like well i i just basically want to know where you get all your money from she's like your husband told me you were you were bankrupt and she was like well that was 10 years ago that's nothing to worry about now you know he had a two billion dollar two billion dollar business that started from zero (laughs) people with big business very successful people go bankrupt the business bust it happens which i understand then she's like, your husband also owes my friend money, a million dollars. There's lawyers involved. And it's like, and Dorit is furious. Dorit's like, I cannot wait to tell PK about this. This is so terrible. And she basically tells Camille, shut the hell up. You don't know anything about my life. And Camille's like, I'm doing it to protect you. And it's like, that's BS. And Camille is adamant. She's like, I know this. I know this. This is a fact. Yeah. Which makes it that much more compelling. And she's like... Dorit is flustered. Yeah, and she's like, I am very wary of people living above their means, especially in the city. It's like, why do you want to be my friend? Why are you part of this group? What's your ultimate goal here? And I mean, but I think the thing about it's Camille's friend was the one who is the one that's owed money. I think it's very interesting. I want to know who it is. I want to know the details. Do you think think it's ever going to come out? Oh, 100%. I think it will. I totally Maybe at the reunion. Maybe so. I mean, we do know that Dorit is going to have to show her entire financial records for the lawsuit that's going on right now. Really? So we will have to see. You know what I thought was an interesting part of that conversation? When everyone is kind of like, shut up, Camille. Be quiet. And Camille's like, well, you guys wanted me to be real, so I'm being real. And... Every single person is like, no, this is crossing the line. We don't go there. We don't go there. And I thought that was interesting because I think BH has this culture of secrecy. Yeah. They want to be on reality TV since it affords a lot of opportunities, no doubt about it. And they definitely leverage those opportunities. Uh, They've all started brands and businesses uh, since coming on the show. As they should. Uh, But they don't want to fully give themselves to the process of reality TV. They only want to display what they deem appropriate. Yes. Um, But I don't think that makes for great reality TV. And I think that's why the show has suffered in the last few years. Because if you look in the early seasons of BH, yes, there was still the element of secrecy, but there was eventually major revelations. Yes. Um, And in some cases... Yeah. But now we said it. But now we said it. And we can argue about, you know, the impact of that and whether that should have ever even happened. Because the the topics of that era and the situations of that era were 
serious and as maybe, hell. And maybe that's what scared them into kind of being more secretive and it being could be. a little bit more safe. Protective. Yeah, yeah. Because they didn't want something like that coming out again and having the dramatic, dramatic consequences that that did have. Because yeah. at the end of the day, that's part of the reason Russell killed himself was because of the image of the show. And he owed a lot of money. And he owed a lot of money. And he had the sex boy. If you guys want to hear about it, we have a Housewives of Herstory season two <laughs> or of Beverly Hills. That's really great. Yeah. I have some conspiracy, Unbuttered pop. I have some conspiracy, conspiracy theories. Cons- consp- uh, I can't even say it. Conspiracy <laughs> theories of my own. I'm like a crazy. I'm what is I'm Charlie and Always Sunny when I have like the red. Right, today, right. I'm like, it's happening. The sex boy. You don't know about the sex boy. <laughs> but let's contrast... Beverly Hills with New York because you know I love to do it. You love to do this. They put it all out there. You see it all. When Sonia was going through bankruptcy, when Ramona was going through divorce, when Luann was going through divorce, when Bethany was going through divorce. Yes. When they feud, when they get super wasted, when they ugly cry, when uh, when all of the things happen, they happen and they're open about it, right? Yes. And, and of course, there's always some element of people not being fully transparent. That's life. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they work with each other and they try to get it out of each other and they talk things through. But in BH, most of the heavy drama is happening in the tabloids, people. Yeah. Go check it out. It's happening with pretty much every cast member you know it's happening you uh, what's denise's tagline this season about tabloids you think you know about the tabloids but my real life is so much juicier yeah the tabloids are actually, actually juicier, juicier and yeah. not all of it is false you know uh one of the first people to chime in and say hey that's we that's a line we don't cross we don't go there i forget the exact words but paraphrasing kyle was saying that and Kyle is also going through major financial issues. Yeah, they're getting sued for like a lot of money. There was yeah. a very, very, very shady business deal that Mauricio did. Happy birthday, Mauricio. Um, right, happy birthday, Mauricio. <laughs> he's, it's his birthday and, today. And I'm sure that's part of his business in real estate. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that this isn't the first time that he's been sued. Real and, estate and, you know, it's and, a shady business. And this has been ongoing with. for months. It's, it's nothing new, although maybe at, at the time... It was maybe a little bit fresher and fresher, yeah. But, you know, I just say that um, to illustrate the fact that they are all trying to edit their lives and curating it to the point where I think it just becomes less interesting. Yeah. I think I think the show becomes worse for it. Uh, I think they should be just a little more organic and let things flow. Yeah. And I, I kind agree. of like Camille, you know... Breaking, I love this. breaking the boundaries and I, saying, you know what? Screw it. Let's put it all out there. We literally said on Twitter, we're like, give Camille her diamond back because she's carrying the show. She is the villain of the show now. And we all thought it was going to be LVP and it was going to be that since the beginning. But Camille's been working hard as in this villain edit since day one of this show this season. I honestly think she deserves to get a diamond back. I think if she was offered one next year, I don't know if she would take it because as we know, she wanted to skip the reunion and now she's like, I should have because it sounds like she kind of gets attacked. And Kyle said it's the longest reunion that they filmed. She said they filmed from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. <laughs> there were walk-offs. There was major fights. There's tears. I'm think, I'm, I think this reunion is going to be a lot better than we thought. And I'm excited to see why. We'll see. You know me. I always have hope for BH. But I'm very excited for next week's episode. If you guys want to make sure you don't miss a single one of our recaps, and very soon we'll be doing 
every single show on Bravo. Yes. So get ready for that. Make sure you guys are subscribed wherever you're listening, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, or iTunes. And if you are on iTunes and you enjoy us, please let us know. Please give us a review. We would really appreciate it. Um, we know we have a lot of new listeners, so we are loving every single one of you. Welcome to the Butter Pop Hot and Bravo family. You're more than welcome here. And if you guys want to check out the morally corrupt hat that we have from our check merch, it out, people. check out our Instagram or Twitter. It's on both. It's at Hot and Bravo. That's H O T N B R A V O D. And if you want to follow Armin, how can people follow you? At Armin Mahram. That's on Twitter and Instagram. And also, if you want to go directly to the site to check out the merch, butteredpop.com/backslash merch. And you can follow me by searching at Eddie underscore Strata. And we will see you guys next week.